Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today, Josh Price, who's an admissions counselor at George Mason University. Josh, welcome, and how are you doing today? I am doing great, Giovanni, which is the <laughs> name that I would rather call you than John. <laughs> I think it's an amazing name, <laughs> but I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josh. It's a pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to today's conversation. So let's get right to it. Josh, what is it about George Mason University that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Okay, so I'm always unprepared for this question because there's always <laughs> so much for me to mention. Um, but if there's anything that I can say very vaguely, um, I went to Mason. I went to George Mason University. Um, one of the things that I really adored was the fact that it's located in, you know, in close proximity to D.C. Of course, there is that. But I really love the fact that I really enjoyed the ethnic diversity. I enjoyed the size. And I also enjoyed the wide variety of different academic programs, the commitment to research. And all of those were wrapped in a bow. And I always like to say that, you know, Mason's my first, second, was my first, second, third and a half choice, just in case I was not admitted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's interesting because George Mason is something that is growing. It's a very young institution. Uh, In many ways, you can see it as trendy by just the dynamics that it does play onto our students and also being here on campus. So lots to say in that. Hopefully that wasn't I think that was clear. (laughs) And like I said, every time I talk about it, it's very vague. It's it's like so much to mention. (laughs) Well, that was very clear. And Josh, we really appreciate that introduction. So tell me, Josh, how many applications do you actually review a year? And do you represent a specific region? Yeah. So roughly we have students that I would even say maybe 20 to 22,000 students would roughly apply um, if we take the averages between the past three years. Um, But when we think about 
my territory specifically, my territories are Baltimore, Maryland, or in also some aspects of Maryland. We have kind of the very interesting way of addressing <laughs> or tagging people to different territories. But um, Maryland's one. Um, I'm also in Delaware, but my other is Hawaii. Wow. Well, yeah. that's, that's a far commute, Josh. That's a far commute. <laughs> it is a far commute. And as a matter of fact, I'm always bugging them to send me to Hawaii. It's like <laughs> hammering our budget um, because they know that, man, I'd probably be at that beach almost every single day of my trip. <laughs> well, that's terrific. So tell me, what is the average profile, Josh, of the current freshman class in terms of their GPA and any other information that you gather? Yeah, so it's interesting because I always like to compare the application process to ice cream, um, especially, <laughs> you know, it's better to explain it that way because it's a lot about the context um, as it is about the different mix-in options that you mix in with the ice cream. And so um, <laughs> from a standard perspective, you know, 50% of our students are between a 3.3 to 3.9 GP average, um, 1,112 to 1,220 SAT scores. ACT, you know, 22 plus, whatever. Those are just (laughs) standards by which we assess students because we've had 25% of our students become admitted above those numbers and 25% below, okay? But when you think about ice cream, you think about ice cream as the transcript. I'm going to make my my favorite one, all right? So I love cookies and cream ice cream, and I also worked in Cold Stone Creamery. (laughs) Um, when I was a junior in high school. So I always like to say that my favorite ice cream is the cookies and cream. I get to choose that, just as I get to choose the type of grades that I get. But M&Ms, I want some extra cookies and cream. I want some sprinkles. And so all of these could be can represent the essay, the letters of recommendation, the resume. All of that adds context because I get to see who a student actually is, how they've challenged themselves over time, and what supplements the type of education that they've had over time. But there's a cherry on top. <laughs> that cherry on top represents the test scores. Why? Because we're test optional. <laughs> if that clicked. Uh, but it's that's that's just kind of a good way of just kind of um, just talking about our admissions profile through ice cream that's the best and easy way for people to remember um it's kind of silly too but i like to you know what better can you do with silliness so (laughs) nothing silly about it is a great explanation and i by the way josh i love cookies and cream as well so there you go (laughs) love it yes (laughs) so josh speaking about the application process what advice would you give a student if they fall lower than that current freshman class is mid 50%? Great question. So when we're looking at applications, we're always looking for reasons to admit a student, but we're also taking into consideration the type of curriculum that we have, and we want students to be successful while they're here at Mason. And so sometimes the best option for students is to go attend a community college. I mean, we have in the area pretty much one of the largest community colleges within the nation, I would say. Um, and a lot of students do matriculate into the to this university through um, Northern Virginia Community College, where they might go for a couple semesters, just to make sure that they get their footing um, 
effective before they matriculate um, into the institution. And we kind of advise them as far as maybe what courses that they could prioritize, maybe encourage them to kind of bolster their academic record. Because the goal here, the desire is that we want students to come to Mason. We're not going to close the door on students. So if a student, wherever they are, sometimes even submitting an application, completing an application is an investment in the process to an extent where we can help the students and also establish their next steps over time. So if a student's interested, we do encourage them to apply and we just advise them from there to establishing what steps, what path is most feasible to come to Mason. Um, so that's generally the case scenario there. Wherever you may land, we're always, always giving you some semblance of advice as far as what steps you can take. Josh, what can you tell us about life on campus outside of the classroom? People always ask about the social life on campus. I know you were a student there. So what could you tell us? Yeah, so generally, you know, as I like to say, again, you know, Mason is a trendy campus. So there's only but so much that you can experience or only but so much that I can talk about or put into words. Um, you actually have to be here to really realize some of the different nuances and elements of what makes the Mason community. Um, when you think about our innovation, we have even put large scale buildings on campus within the past year. Um, that's a commitment to our innovation, a commitment to our research. When you think about our size, we are pretty much the largest public institution in Virginia, but I like to say that we're pretty much small where it's needed and wanted. So there's tons of different types of community that exist around campus in such a way where students can establish relationships with each other. And that really adds a lot of value to the diversity on campus too, where students can really connect and build community with people from different backgrounds. And that's why when you come to campus, especially from my experience, when I came to campus, I was in awe of just how diverse it was and how people were able to build community on the basis of that. And so, yeah, there's a lot that I can say in that range. You also have a commuting population. You're you know, building relationships with people who are adult learners. You might be in a classroom with people who might even have a bachelor's degree already or a master's degree or coming straight out of a community college. And I think that diversity of knowledge brings a lot of value to a student's academic experience. And that's what we really, really appreciate about just our community here at Mason academically, socially, we have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you talking about the importance of coming to campus, really getting a feel to make sure that, in fact, it's the right fit for you, regardless of what university or college you're looking for. So, Josh, do you conduct on-site interviews with prospective students at George Mason? And if so, what advice would you give a student preparing for their interview? And again, this could be in person or virtual. Basically, interviews are not in any shape or form to admit a student or um, perhaps to give them their decision, per se. If a student wants to meet with us, we give them the opportunity to meet with us to kind of counsel them through the process 
or perhaps giving them some insight about the different aspects of our institution. But if a student wants to kind of talk a little bit more about the nuances of their application process a lot more in depth, or perhaps if they weren't, let's say, admitted, we do open up our office hours. We do open up the opportunity for students to reach out to us directly if they want to meet with us into that respect. Um, as a matter of fact, one silly thing there's, and it's just the system that we are, you know, affiliated with. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> so when a student has a gap semester, I have to put on their checklist admissions interview. They don't have to do an interview. They just have right. to reach out to me via right. email. And that basically lets them know that they have to submit a resume to showcase what they've been doing during that time when they haven't been taking college coursework. So it's it's just basically like, hey, what, what you been doing during this period? Like, <laughs> were you, you know, at a restaurant? Were you, you know, a diplomat in China or something right, like that? Right. Or were you at another institution taking college coursework? So, you know, that's basically just to give us context to why a student has not been taking college coursework over time. Understood. And I appreciate that explanation. Josh, what are the different options that a student has to apply to George Mason? And could you explain each of them? In other words, do you offer early decision, early action? Obviously, there's regular decision. Any insight that you could give us, we'd really appreciate it. Right. Yeah, that's a, as a matter of fact, if there's anything that you can take from the admissions process at Mason, you got the ice cream made. All you need to know <laughs> is that November 1st is the early action deadline. I mean, if you ignore everything that I, you take from me, just remember <laughs> that. And why do I say why do I emphasize that? It's because you have all the way till May 1st to make a decision. Um, it's an investment in the process. We give students time to make decisions regarding their financial aid. And also, it, if students apply by the deadline, they get automatic merit-based scholarship consideration. And so, right. hey, if you are interested in applying to Mason, then apply. You might even get a good deal off of us if you do. So just ensuring that you keep that in mind. And if you need more, if we, if students do need more time to put down, let's say an application fee or something like that, we have the regular decision deadline. Um, that's generally February 1st. But if students have even a little bit of interest, it does not hurt to apply by the November 1st deadline. And one thing that I can say, they can apply through the common application, which mm -hmm. makes that even much more easier, or they can apply through our university application. And within whatever they decide to submit, like I talked about ice cream, we're very, very flexible with the, the process. As a matter of fact, I'm very hungry for ice cream right now. And it's about <laughs> 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't know why on a Monday. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for that, uh, Josh. I know that George Mason is test optional. However, can you share the percentage of students that apply without actually submitting test scores? This is a question that's been coming up, again, from students and parents. So anything that you could share would be greatly appreciated. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> but from a qualitative experience, we do have lots of students that reach out to us almost every day who inquire to change their test scores from us requiring test scores to score optional. Um, we have no problem with it whatsoever. Like I said, it's a cherry on top. Um, if 
you, it's not there. We don't recognize it whatsoever. Many students just feel that it will benefit their application, um, but there's no problem whatsoever if they don't decide to submit their test scores. And our students, especially the applicants who apply to Mason, um, they recognize that, they notice that, and we make it very clear within their application process that you, they don't have to submit them. And so when you think a lot, if when you think about that context, we do have loads and loads of students that do apply without test scores. But like I said, if you feel that it's going to be benefit your application, go for it. But if not, you know, that ain't something we, you know, are too phased about. <laughs> Understood. No, I appreciate that. And what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read it, you thought this kid needs to come to school at George Mason University. Okay. Will it basically offend people if I did not talk about how COVID's been a big <laughs> essay trend? <laughs> I have read a lot of essays involving just how much of an effect mentally, psychologically, physically, economically that the pandemic has had on students and families. Um, it's been a whirlwind of stories that we've learned thus far and how much that's impacted students. And that's why I think that from a broad range of admissions offices or higher, even institutions of higher education, um, thinking about the students by which you're recruited, um, I think that this has played a big, big role on just the demographics and students from all over who do aspire to get a college degree, who aspire to learn. And I've run into so many different stories about just the challenges that they face with just the virtual environment, um, the connections, just, you know, the, the, the families, or maybe it's grandma or grandpa who maybe who have passed um, for some time, you know, lots of this, it's, you know, almost tears me up almost every essay. It's a very heartwarming experience, but if anything, that's been some of the things that's really filled um, the college essays. Because, I mean, if you're virtual, what better way to explain your perseverance? What better way to explain how much, you know, something's had an impact on you than just the pandemic in itself? So that's one thing, of course. There's other um, things that where people talk about to just relatives who have inspired them over time or perhaps just the extracurricular activities that they've been involved in, the challenges that they might have incurred and how that's built them over time. And one thing that I love is when students grow from challenges, not just from the situations that they find themselves in or the systems that they find themselves in that systematically lead them to success. I love hearing a student's story where there's, and I don't, I say this in a very positive light. I love a story where there's some struggle involved. I love a story where a student has transformed. I love a story where, you know, it inspires me. It sticks close to my heart um, that I want to, make the most of the amount of essays that I'm reading because I'm reading a lot. Um, but I do encourage students to take advantage of that and really pull in just those things that spark a lot of passion out of someone's heart um, in that respect. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I appreciate that. And if a student is going to share a story about a struggle, 
I think it's also very important for the student to talk about not only the struggle, but how they reflected, what was their thought process? What did they do to overcome that struggle just to make that essay more complete so you could get better insight in terms of who they are as a person so that their character and personality comes through? Exactly. So, Josh, I really, I really appreciate that answer. Thank you so much. In terms of teacher letters of recommendation, what are you looking for? to help you get a better picture of the candidate? And again, are there any other examples that uh, you could share with us? You know a sneaky thing that I love when um, letters of recommendations are written? I love when a teacher can speak to how a student was within the classroom, how they engaged. I love it when counselors talk about the relationships and how students have pretty much overcome certain hurdles over time, how they've achieved over time. Those are things that I love because there's only but so much that you can talk about in an essay. There's only but so much that you can present to us with regard to the numbers, which is, whether it's the GPA or even the test scores. But to speak to what a student was like within the classroom is something that we do not see on the application. So that's something that we really, really enjoy. And when the student does apply, if we do strongly encourage them to have letters of recommendation from teachers and counselors to see what those relationships were like in the process. So just ensuring that that's kind of a good dynamic there and seeing what someone else's perspective is something very valuable to our review. Thank you so much for that, Josh. I really appreciate it. And Josh, in terms of the overall college admissions process, how often should a student visit the campus and do you keep track of such things? And of course, what else could students do to show their demonstrated interest? Yeah, which is a very, very, very at part, big part of the process, which I think a lot of students or families can tend to underestimate. Engage, come to campus. If, you, if there's ever any trouble involved, reach out to us. We always have suggestions as far as, you know, where students can stay, logistics, situ circumstances. We want students to be able to come to campus, but we're always showcasing different virtual on-campus event opportunities, whether it's an information session, whether a student comes to, let's say, a junior visit day or a spotlight day, uh, which is pretty much an opportunity for students to learn about the different stakeholders around campus, talk, build relationships with some of our more academic units, um, pretty much connect more with the students to really understand what the student experience is like. And coming to these events, the more and more you're, you come, the more and more you're exposed to so many different things around campus. As a matter of fact, I came to Mason's campus twice, went throughout my admissions process when I was a senior in high school, and there were things that I learned, I mean, in massive amounts, every single time that I went. So just take into consideration engagement within your application. And we are always, 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 always encouraging students to attend our two big large scale events every semester, one including the fall premiere, which is an event, you know, an opportunity for prospective students to attend to kind of learn more information about the institution. They we feed them, we, you know, network with them, we do all kinds of fun stuff. And a lot of that is equalized towards our spring preview event where we showcase a lot of different student organizations around campus as well. So lots of fun to be had when it comes to engagement and, you know, what better 
campus, you know, what, what better way to do that than to spend your time when such, you know, an innovative campus is Mason. Well, thank you so much for that, Josh. I appreciate it. What kind of scholarship opportunities do you offer for academic achievement? And does a student have to apply separately for any of these offerings? Yeah, so we offer a variety of different scholarships. They they come with different names. And I would say it's hard to answer because they're changing every academic year. And generally, if a student does, like I say, apply by the November 1st deadline, they do get that automatic merit-based scholarship consideration, but amounts do vary. I mean, we are basing it off of the context in their application, how they challenge themselves over time. And so we're divvying things up that way. Now, what really helps a student when it comes to need-based aid, especially when things get more serious with the application process in January, is ensuring that a student has filled out that FAFSA. And that FAFSA opens up for students to fill out on October 1st. So we really motivate students to get that done because that gives our office, alongside the Office of Financial Aid, a way for us to navigate which financial aid opportunities are most effective. So that's very, very, very important. And it's opposite. A student who kind of follows the process that way is opposite to me. I got the FAFSA done a month before my academic year started. (laughs) Ended up (laughs) bugging the financial aid office to ensure (laughs) that, you know, everything was in place. I got the right amount of aid. Why? Because I was a first-generation college student. I did not know anything about the admission process, I mean, the financial aid process as much. So I do encourage students to get that in because it saves you a lot of pain in the process, and it cools you down in July when you start to see those fall bills posted. So making sure that students get the fast fulfilled out, taking advantage of the application process. But on another note, engagement from even a micro level. We talked about the macro level where students come to campus, but the micro level of just engaging with your admissions counselor, talking about, you know, how much you're interested in Mason, some of the challenges that you've overcome over time are pretty much very, very effective in that approach. And that's why, you know, I, you know, that kind of answers the interview question a little bit. Um, It's not that we promote interviews to people, they promote them to us. And that's how we get to build relationships with people over time. So hopefully that answers the questions, but from a very simple standpoint, amounts do vary. Well, that's great insight and it absolutely answers the questions. And Josh, I'm going to put a link to the George Mason University Office of Admissions in the show notes. If there's anything that you want to add, please just let me know and we'll include them. Lastly, Josh, what are the top three pieces of advice you would offer prospective students and their parents who are starting the process now? Great question. So, The main thing that I love telling students is just take it one step at a time. Um, Understand, just kind of think of it this way. Sometimes it even starts with building relationships with your guidance counselors, your teachers, because they went to college. So they kind of have some understanding (laughs) of the process themselves. And sometimes if they don't want to help you, if they're too busy, bug them anyway. (laughs) You want to go to college too. You want to be successful too. So pretty much connecting with your resources at your institution, taking the taking the process one step at a time, 
for Mason, we try to make sure the process is as clear as possible. And just to explain things more generally through the lens of our application process, our applications open up at the beginning of August. You fit, it's basically a form that you're filling out. Of course, here's an application fee. We also offer fee waivers for students who have maybe re- reduced lunch or college board fee waivers. So that might cover that indeed. But generally, all you need to do is fill out the application. And even if you don't know what you want to write in your essay, you can just submit the application and just submit the essay as supplementary effort, you know, material. Afterwards, the main thing is ensuring that that application gets submitted, ensuring that you do make sure that you write that essay. You don't have to submit test scores. And if we can get that transcript, that's why it's a lot of communication that you have to have with your guidance counselor through the process is just making sure that the appropriate documentation gets to a school and they know what to do. That's why you have to build those relationships with them. So the main thing that I can say is just taking it one step at a time, learning about what is it that you want in an institution, learning about cost, learning about just the people that attend and what their experiences are like, the outcomes that are that people have. But how in what ways can this institution add a lot of value to my perspective experience within the long run? And that's why attending an institution, asking questions is very important. And one thing that I love saying is that I don't care how simple or sophisticated the question is, ask the question. I always ask the most sophisticated questions possible. People always ask me what I meant so I can understand if you do have a hard time asking questions. Just please make sure that you are not leaving out anything. I want to make sure that even myself as an admissions counselor, I can be as much of a resource as I can in that way. So just taking it step by step, not trying to overload yourself with anything, because if anything, I want you to enjoy your senior year. I want you to be able to focus. It's a finish line. Sometimes seniors kind of back off. I remember in my senior year, I had students right behind me who kind of, you know, relaxed a little bit. They were like, I was admitted (laughs) into college. I don't have to do too much. But no, there's a finish line to be crossed. There's still stuff left to be learned. Um, So just ensuring that you can focus on your coursework is going to be very, very crucial to just the foundation that you build for your success going forward. So don't slack. Get to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Josh, I can't thank you enough. Those are tremendous pieces of advice and great insight. It was an honor and a pleasure to hear so much about George Mason University and all that you offer both inside of your classrooms and beyond. Of course. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you so much, Giovanni. (laughs) Or John. (laughs) Or John. (laughs) Thank Thank you again. Of course. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.